This traffic sucks. And welcome back to another episode of the Big Freedom Show. I'm one of your hosts here, Charlie Thompson. With me, as always, the King himself, John King, and your favorite lispy libertarian, Nate Thurston. This show is all about freedom. We've got eagles in the studio with us. And guys, we're just here to have some fun, talk some liberty. There's an eagle on every arm. <laughs> there actually Nate, is. Nate actually has a, a liberty bell. No, 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 I have the bell. torch. I have the torch and I have an eagle. And yeah. I have an eagle with a rising sun. What do you got, Charlie? <sighs> I've got a dagger <laughs> and uh well, and lady lady luck. I don't know who it is actually. She it's she was very important to you, though. She was at <laughs> time. <laughs> Sounds like she was an excellent decision. Yeah. All of us have like completely unfinished things going on on I our bodies a, right now. I've got a libertarian chip. Yeah, because yeah, I just named it that. <laughs> That's good. It's really just a normal ship. Yeah, yeah just USS Liberty. Called it's, Liberty. It is. Yeah. Uh, well. I, I imagine it. You know, this is the ship that discovered the the greatest land of all time, America. Okay. Which, if you're out in Colorado, you know, go get a, go, I don't know where he works, but if you're in Denver, find Todd Larson and just have him give you a tat. I think they're free, right, Todd? And John, (laughs) how was yours? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. He listens to the show. Uh, Oh, thanks, Todd. He he said you have a really good voice. Oh, great. Use promo code BIGFREEDOM. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to, uh, to schedule your free tattoo, uh, Todd will know what's up. Some uh, he's also known as Todd Showdown sometimes. So yeah. if you you it's know his, you mention uh, that his stage tattoo, tattoo Todd Showdown, sure. Colorado promo code Man. Big Freedom, and you'll get a Big Freedom discount. You guys have a fun weekend. Everyone have a good time. It was my birthday, so I had a great weekend. Good. Got to go out on a date with the wife, which is a rare occurrence these days. Even hired a babysitter. That sounds wow. wonderful. Good food and went to a little speakeasy in town called Old Glory. Well, did you have some good whiskey there? I did. I did. I got some Weller 12 and uh, also some Eagle Rare. So it was, a, like I said, good night. I played, I played some music up in Illinois. It's a good night too, I bet. It was fun. You also yeah. probably had some whiskey. I did. They had some. Uh, they had some Russell's Reserve at the place that I, at which I was playing. Mm-hmm. And um, I went ahead and had... Enough of that. That enhances the skills. Yeah, it makes you better. Yeah, it makes you better at guitar. There's, Charlie, there's, anything notable this weekend? Um, I saw an allergist this weekend. <laughs> Did they figure I out what's recovered. killing you? They haven't figured out anything. So I, if you've never been to an allergist, what they do is they like like prick your back with all these allergens, like 30 of them. So it's enjoyable. It's awful. <laughs> and within 30... Poison ivy. <laughs> Within 30 seconds of them finishing that, my back was on fire. Like, I was itching so bad. And I broke out in hives from head to toe again, just from that. And then they were like, oh, yeah, keep this on for 15 minutes. Don't touch it. <laughs> Seems like, like this, you're... this is awesome. Just and what we want. I was literally, I was like, I'm going to take my own life. This <laughs> is it. <laughs> Seems like you're allergic to allergen tests. So, Yeah. <laughs> And they came back and they're like, wow, yeah, you broke out everywhere. We can't tell which one it caused it. <laughs> did, did so, it really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but you, you're know, decidedly less puffy today, though. You're looking like the old Charlie. Look, they shot me up with a bunch of steroids and gave me some different, you know, antihistamine stuff. And I am feeling so much better today. Hopefully, the blood tests come back. They let me know what's going on. 
it's not whiskey, I don't think. So maybe it's something else I'm going to have to avoid. The moral of the story is steroids are the key to happiness. Yeah. They are. But the good part is we can still do this week's Whiskey Whiskey of the Week. week. What'd you bring for us, Charlie? Uh, This week I've brought... I have brought a very interesting new whiskey out there. It's called Pinhook, and this is a straight rye whiskey. And you're probably like, Charlie, why is he bringing a rye rye whiskey? Because he doesn't like them very much. I wanted to bring something fun and interesting. And uh, this is a straight rye whiskey, and it's got a palette of brown sugar, candied black licorice, vanilla bean, raisins, and dried apricot. And I have to say... Um, it's not in the hall of shame, but it's not the best thing I've ever had. I got none of that. All I got was a giant grapefruit, like the size of a person. And then some, it's got just yeah. walking all over me and the, uh, some sweetness to it. I definitely, the vanilla, I definitely get to it's there. So for me, even though I brought it, it is cool to try something new and interesting. That's what we do here for you on the big freedom show. I'm going to give it a six and a half out of 10. I'm going to go with you on that, only because the sheer volume of grapefruit makes it interesting. It's not my favorite, but it's interesting. I'm going to go seven and a half based on value and the fact that for a rye, it is still a little bit more of a fuller flavor to me. It's not just a real thin, it's gross, syrupy. sour bite, you know, yeah. like it's a, it's like, it's the vanilla. The vanilla is really strong in there. I actually I, didn't get the grapefruit. I would compare but. this, this is me personally, if he didn't get the grapefruit, I would compare this to the IPA of bourbon. So if you like IPAs, maybe try, try this out. Which we hear, we love IPAs, so. I'm going to stick to the IPAs instead of this bourbon. Yes. All right. So uh, Let me mention the price. I forgot about that. You said the value. It's $35 for this bottle, so that's really not a bad price. It's mid-range, mid-range yep. on your whiskey and... You know, if you're going to spend $35, not a bad one to try. It so. looks super local. Like they printed out the label on their computer and like their at-home printer and stuck it on the bottle. You know, my dad would like this because he likes horse racing. There's a horse on the front of it. And kind of a cool story real quick, not to extend the, the whiskey of the week. But what they do here is you're not allowed to do like vintage ages on whiskey. It's a rule. It's a, a bourbon rule. And so what they've done is they are they have a, a horse on here and each bottle that they do each edition that they come out with is going to have a different horse name uh so the horse name and the horse size here so this is a bourbon and rye and it's 16.1 hands i don't know what that means that's the horse it means grapefruit yeah i guess that's what it means 16.1 hands of grapefruit but i think that's a cool way to circumvent the rules i like that i like getting the round rules it's innovation yeah so that was this This week's Whiskey of the Week. So, I have to come clean about something. What'd you do, John? So, we got a little excited last week. We we tried to break out a really big topic. We started talking about the Fed. And it's kind of one of those things, if you're a libertarian, it really kind of chaps you. You get a little upset, a little hot and bothered kind of by it. And you just start wanting to uh, impart your knowledge of the Fed to everyone. And so, I was... You know, it wasn't just me. I'm not going to throw anyone else under the bus. But in my haste to spread this knowledge and to enlighten people, I I was trying to make sure that people knew that people were, the Fed was making money. And so I said it was a for-profit corporation. Um, And I I said that in kind of a bad way. And Mm. that was wrong. Mm. I thought you, I I thought for sure you were going to mention something about the nudist colony comment. 
I was distracted by my wit. <laughs> did that actually, that did make the cut onto the show, yeah. didn't it? Yeah, yeah. I thought so. Just so everyone knows, we do this thing pretty much live. There's not yeah. many edits. We, you know, we don't have time for that right now. So no. <laughs> what we do is we record this thing for you. Uh, we maybe put one or two edits on it just to line everything up and then it flies out. Yeah. We're straight to your ears. But uh, but last week, John, I mean, I, I had noticed that we had mentioned the the words for profit and with like a negative connotation to them, like like something that was for profit was in regards, bad. In regards to the Fed. Yeah. I, I walked in and Nate was like, John, we have to talk. You, I feel like people might think you disparaged profit. And yeah. I was just terrified. You would never want to be that kind no, of person. I love profit. All. I wish I had a lot more of it. But what's the issue here down to the basics? You know, the Fed is a for-profit thing, and I agree. In this certain case, it's not really a good thing. And uh, why, why would that be? There's, in this case, there's no market. The, the government gives them an actual monopoly, which we've done other episodes. Go back and listen to them about monopolies. This is probably one of the only true monopolies that can have some negative consequences. Well, it's because the Fed is above the market, really. They're not inside the market. They don't have to deal with any of the market factors. They have no competition. They have a monopoly on printing money, adding to their balance sheets. They can literally do whatever they want. There's no oversight. There's no nothing. This is, you know, a a private institution that's for profit, that's acts outside the market. And not only that, but they control the market. They do. I mean, they, they they have the ultimate power to influence market decisions. They manipulate their own for-profit market all right. the time. And and we did mention in the last episode, I mean, that's the criminal part. Yeah. Of, they're not, it's not fair. So to throw up a little cover for myself, I was really saying, I was trying to illustrate how crony this was, how, yeah. how messy it was because it was people making money off something dictated by the government. So there, I've I've said my penance. You but know, I, I go ahead. You're in go luck. Ahead. Pile though. on, pile on. You're in luck because of John's glorious mistake. We have a wonderful show for you today. This is this is going to be my favorite show. I'm already going to say it right here. This show is going to be all about why profit is a good thing. This is a show that talks about four profit enterprises and why you should love it. Which and this the first thing we should bring up is what is profit. I just wanted everybody to know real quick though this is brought to you by John's mistake. Again. <laughs> this if anybody else wants to sponsor my mistakes in the future, you're welcome to, but this is all my fault. Maybe we can come up with a really cool mistake today that we could spawn a new episode off of today. Or the next time, you know. Yeah. We'll see. So a profit whenever you're running the business and you get all your expenditures out and someone pays you money for the thing that you gave that you uh provided for them after they paid you money. If you have any money left over at the end of the day, that would be called a profit. And a lot of times I feel like profit kind of gets a bad name. A lot of people look at profit as kind of an added cost onto something. Like it's when, like like the tariff tumor. Ex exactly. But it's nothing like the tariff tumor. A tariff is like a profit that the government adds on for itself onto a product. Now, that's an actual added cost on something. But is, is for instance, the fact that um, Apple can create a 
charging cable that probably costs them about 12 cents to make, and they sell it for about 30 bucks at, at Target, something like that. Now, there's probably a pretty big profit margin on that cable. And a lot of people would look at that and say, well, this is just, this is pure evil. This is, if it weren't for profit, I'd be paying 12 cents for that charging cable. Well, I've got some news for you. If it weren't for profit, that cable wouldn't exist. Not only... <laughs> Would it not exist? A lot of things would not exist. And if the charging cable did somehow come into existence, it still wouldn't just cost 12 cents. And so we're going to kind of go into this, and I don't really know who wants to take this first, if that's supposed I, to be me or if that's uh, I think I someone need to, else. I think I need to back you up, though. Okay. You know, we kind of, you know, oh, profit obviously is making money, but I mean, what if I just don't believe in money? You don't believe what, in money? Yeah, what if I just don't think... Like, what if I just think things should just exist and I, you know, I'm owed certain things, basic life needs, like well, what? So like everyone should, like a commune society kind of thing where yeah. the guy that builds houses, builds houses for everyone and, and he gets treatment from the doctors that are in town. And then um, he also gets the people who grows food to give him food and, and in exchange, he builds houses for everyone, right? And that that is really the perfect society. Well... Um, I want to tell you what capitalism did was it took that idea and it just made it a lot better because money, which a lot of people hate, a lot of people hate the fact that we even use money, but money is just another form of trade. What we took was you have your little town where one guy's the doctor and the, the home builder and the farmer, and they all trade with each other to make sure that they're all providing things all the time. What capitalism did was it took that it took people creating value for other people and it expanded it into a much larger market to where maybe if in Iowa they grow corn better than they do in Wisconsin and in Wisconsin they make cheese better than they do in Iowa, then those people get to exchange money and not just their specific goods with each other. And that's why money exists because it's an easier form of trade for everyone. And, and the huge thing that this did really was it allowed for specialization. It allowed mm -hmm. for people to specialize in skills and get really good at them that, you know, maybe they didn't necessarily need to trade for another skill and it let people be able to, I'm explaining this poorly. No, uh, no. I mean, you're, it's, it's fine because <clears throat> when you go back into the old days, just even, even if you went, I mean, the old, old days, just say 1700s, if you had a family living on a farm or something like that, that family would need to grow their own food. Um, they would need to take care of their own horses. They probably built their own house. And then they probably, a lot of them made their own clothing. Made their uh, own shoes. They made their own tables and chairs. They did all kinds of things back, back in the 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 olden days that we don't have to do now because because of money and because of trade where that family found out well they're actually just really good at farming so can't they just sell what they farm to other people and then use that money which is a representation of value that they created for other people and they use that money and instead of spending their time building a table and chairs or making clothing. Now they spend all their time doing what they do best. They get paid in exchange for it. And then they can take that money and give it to the guy who's the best at making clothing or the guy who's the best at making the table and chairs. And that way we all do everything in the most efficient way possible. And that brings in the profit motive. So specializing in those certain things, you have a profit motive so you can 
receive value, which is money, and use that value to provide for other basic needs and wants. In fact, Wikipedia, if you look up profit motive, the profit motive is a key tenet of rational choice theory. So you're able to make choices if you look at the rational choice theory or the theory that economic agents tend to pursue what is in their own best interests. So a lot of economists, especially on the free market side, and a lot of people, something something we've talked about over and over and over again on this show, is everyone is always pursuing their own best interest. What is best for you? What is best for your family? What is best for your kids? That's your, your number one goal, typically in life. And then once those needs are met, you can expand on that into charity. Something we'll go on about in the uh, towards later in the show. But what I'm getting out here is a profit motive is based on choice, and that choice is to pursue your own best interest. Then not only does that help you and your family, but that gives you means to provide value and help others. And uh, just to go back in the history a little bit here, um, if you're ever wondering because. There were a lot of famous economists you have, uh, you know, just take Karl Marx, for example, or um, anyone from the Soviet era. Uh, They all thought that profit was an evil thing. Um, There's this natural tendency that we all have to think that profit is just this cost that's been added on to some good and it didn't need to cost that much. Well, in Soviet Russia, they actually outlawed profit. They made it illegal to make a profit on something. And so you immediately think, well, wow, that must have been nice. Everything in Soviet Russia, it must have been so much cheaper than it was here because you didn't have that added cost onto it. And that actually wasn't the case. What they found was your standard automobile would take about three times as much to make as much money to make there. It would take longer to make, and oftentimes they wouldn't even have everything they needed to finish putting it together because they couldn't get all the businesses to work together to do it. And even building buildings, things like that, bricklayers, they they had um, crazy higher amounts of building expenses there. Um, They often had too many workers at all the factories. They had extra workers because they were given basically stipends from the government to be able to keep running their factory and they would run up their needs at the factory. That way they could just keep as many people there as possible, but there was no efficiency. And what they eventually found was that everything that they were creating was actually using up a lot more time, a lot more money, uh, because the people running the factories had no motive to make things efficient. And just the the first little example to take 10 seconds, uh, when you think about factories being efficient, you can use Henry Ford as the best example that that they're one of the best examples there could ever be, because without that, you don't have the assembly line. You don't have a car that was too expensive for the normal person to buy. And then someone looking at a, a profit incentive here in the United States decided to make it into a way that it could be created much more efficiently and actually get it into the hands of people that otherwise wouldn't have been able to afford it. And without that little simple motive right there, we might not have even had the the entire Industrial Revolution would have been different. 
and some of you might not be business owners, but another example of profit motive, I mean, people that do own businesses know just how strong this is and how motivated you become whenever you're incentivized for performance. And so a lot of you may see that in the form of a bonus or commissions. I mean, some of the hardest working people are commissioned salespeople or people that get paid off of what they produce. And these companies find out that even though they're giving away more money, they're able to make more profit because the individual feels like they're making a profit. Yeah. It's the same thing when you look at uh, restaurants and servers. I mean, servers work their butts off. Bartenders work like crazy. Uh, so they can make more money for doing harder work. And that's a, you know, that's their profit uh, at the end of the day. When you compare our service with countries who actually don't allow tipping, things like that, it's constantly talking about how uh, the service here is so much better and typically in those other countries is, is terrible. It's not just history either, though. You know, you bring up the history of Russia and, the, you know, outlawing the profit motive. And, you know, you bring up the history of, of how inefficient and all those things were. What I want to point to is there are a lot of people in our generation and a lot of young people who are growing up who are starting to believe these same things, same things. Mm-hmm. We, we have basically a, a split generation here where a lot of young people are moving more towards the socialist profit is bad. Okay. Uh, side of things. And what we're doing here at the big freedom show, the reason why we're so passionate about this, the reason why that we talk about this, we come to you every single week and we want to spread this message of liberty and freedom and economic freedom and explain to you what profit actually does, what the motive actually is behind it. The reason we do all these things is because we want what is best for everyone. And we believe these things, not because we're greedy people, not because we don't care about other people, not because we, we don't think that greed is a bad thing. We care about these things because we know through, if you look throughout history and you look at economics and the way things play out, human beings have a certain nature and that nature is to be self-interested. And because of that, if you go back not that long ago, we did an episode about the pilgrims and this whole entire profit motive that they had basically is what made America the greatest country. What That's what developed capitalism and brought more people out of poverty, created the greatest wealth the world has ever seen. And that's why we talk about the things that we talk about. That's why we care so much here on The Big Freedom Show. Well, because when the pilgrims first came here, um, they actually started with a commune type society where they all split everything. And what they found was after two years, they were about to starve. They weren't creating enough food for themselves. And so they they got together and they said, well, what if we just make it to where uh, basically, I mean, they probably switched to like an every man for himself kind of thing uh, is what they would say. But basically, you got to keep the fruits of your labor, is what it was, the literal fruits of your labor. You got to keep them. And what they found was the very next year, no one was starving anymore. They had plenty of food because everyone worked harder whenever they got to keep the fruits of their labor afterwards. And without that, the pilgrims might have starved to death within a couple of years. It was a pretty decent example. You know, John argued earlier, you know, in regards to, 
you know, maybe you don't own a business, not everybody's an entrepreneur, but, you know, salespeople and people that have incentives to make bonuses typically perform better because they have a profit motive, right? They're trying to make the most money for their family. I, I love Milton Friedman. He was on the Donahue show. We've talked about him multiple times, but he, one of my favorite quotes is he said, it's, it's always the other fella who's greedy. It's mm -hmm. never us who's greedy, right? But I would argue most people... In fact, probably I would say 99% of people, they try, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, you try to do the least amount of work for the most amount of money possible. You know, when I go to get a job and they're like, hey, what's your salary? I'm not going to be like, yeah, just, you know, I need enough to buy some food and a house. Going like, to put a little cushion in there. I'm going to put a cushion in there because I like to take vacations with my family. I like to have some time off work. I want to, you know maybe buy some toys, do some hobbies, go see some Predators games, right? Like I, all that costs money, right? So I'm going to, if I'm going to do a job, then I want to perform my duties. I want to be at work the least amount of possible and have them pay me the most. That's just as greedy as a business owner wanting to get the most work out of you for the cheapest price possible because he's got to hit a bottom line. And just, you know, it's not just money. We all do. We all want the most amount of benefit for the least amount of work. I mean, even like a... If I'm, you're intelligent anyway. Just anything. I mean, <laughs> take, you know, you're going to go outside and mow your yard. Do you just think, oh, I'm just going to wander around aimlessly with my lawnmower in different different directions all over the place. And then maybe tomorrow, next day or something like that, I should be done mowing my yard. No, I mean... You don't really like doing it, but what you want to do is you want to find the fastest way to do it so you can get the most for the least amount of time possible. It, it, it works for everything that you do throughout your life. Whenever you drive somewhere, most of the time you take the fastest route. There's always a, a different thing all the time that you want the, the best benefit for the least amount of work all the time. So everyone is greedy, whether you want to say that you are or not. But one thing I wanted to take this to was... Um, we're talking a lot about people that work for businesses, but you have to take into account people who start businesses. If you've never started a business before, uh, this is no knock on you whatsoever, but the investment that it takes to be able to start any kind of business, not just in money, but also in your time and time away from friends and family. I mean, I, you guys can speak to this, but... I have been starting different businesses for years now, and I have been a terrible friend. But just to, throughout the entire time, I never, I can never hang out. I can never do anything. I am always working all the time towards my businesses. And I mean, you guys, you guys have been like that too. Whenever you're real busy with yours, but then you look at the money aspect too. If you're someone who wants to start a business, why would you put all of this time and money into something if you could never get more than that amount of money back. You've already had that amount of money. It, you know, if you're Jeff Bezos and you've got, you know, uh, $10 million and you decide that you're going to put all of that towards running Amazon out of your garage, why not just keep the $10 million? Like you're, if you can never make more than that, you know? So it, what you actually do when you take away the incentive for profit is you take away the incentive for innovation and invention and things like this. You take away all these people who have created such great things 
which, by the way, we were going through the list. A lot of our great things over the last hundred years have came from, you know, a pretty capitalist country here in America. When you look at the car. We export a lot of ideas. You know, flight, the car, the computer, the cell phone, the internet. Um, All of these things came from a country that specializes in making sure you could keep profit afterwards. And not from countries that do not allow you to keep any profit. So there's a there's a pretty good testament to the fact that profit incentivizes people to innovate, to invent, to want to constantly make things better at all times, which in, in turn helps all of civilization. We have a whole we we have an entire show dedicated to that called Shark Tank. Yeah, <laughs> you, I mean you have. I wish that was our show. <laughs> Well, we we guess, don't have a show. We as Americans, the collective we has right. that show. Yeah, we as Americans have. It's called Shark Tank, where people come up with all kinds of ideas and products and services that enhance your life. I mean, we've mentioned a lot of examples. One of my favorite is Uber. You you have this a company that did something that already existed, but they just made it better, more efficient, and cheaper for everyone out there for the first time. In history, people who make, you know, average wages can have a personal car service come pick you up from your house and take you anywhere you want to go. Anywhere. And they use their own cars. So you can choose like, oh, I just want an economy car, something that'll cost me 10 or 20 bucks. Or shoot, even if I want to, you know, an SUV with leather seats or whatever, something might cost me 50 bucks. Nowhere near... 10 years ago, if you wanted personal car service, it would cost you hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. So we took something, Uber took something and said, instead of nasty taxi cabs, which was your only option if you were poor, you have people who take care of their cars, use their personal cars, nice cars, because there's a standard at Uber. And for relatively cheap, you can push a button on your phone and for most people, it's, it's not really in rural America, I guess, yet. They got it in Paducah, Kentucky. But oh, she's wow. just throwing that out there. I mean, Paducah has, what, 50,000 people? Yeah. yeah. So I had a couple friends that were had some issues and couldn't get around. I have a friend with some pretty bad eyesight, and it was just like a big deal. Could never get a job, that kind of thing. And he just was so happy. Well, it was actually Lyft that came in. What? The kinder, gentler Uber. Yeah. But, Lyft, Uber, doesn't matter. These the cleaner types, version of Uber. <laughs> these types of services have sprung up and it's just, it's all because of profit motive. Uber didn't start this saying, yeah, we just want people to have easier rides. They saw this as an opportunity to make billions of dollars. And the, the workers, the drivers saw this as an opportunity too. And I, I mean, no offense at all to any Uber or Lyft drivers, but a lot of these people were... You know, they could have been making a $10 an hour type of job and they could work 40 hours a week and that was pretty much all they could do. And all of a sudden, if they want to put the time in, their income is pretty much just limited by their own desire and the amount of work they want to do. And aside from the financial benefits, I want to say too, I mean, you got people just in a city like Nashville getting hammered drunk every single night at different ball games. Especially and in different a city bars. like Nashville. You know, this is Nash Vegas. This is the, the bachelorette party of the of the world, I, I think. Um, every day of the week. It's number one. Yeah. So, I mean, just aside from the financial benefits, people have found that since it's so easy to use a company like Uber, uh, they're less likely to drive drunk. So this is an example where profit provides a societal benefit 
as did. well. Just the fact that someone wanted to make money, they came in and made something more efficient than someone else and have probably saved thousands upon thousands of lives. I mean, there's no way of for sure knowing that, but you know that they have. I, more I than a study actually at one point, this was a couple of years ago, but it said something like that where markets that had ride sharing, the DUI rate went down by over 10%. Yeah. I would be surprised if it's not substantially more it than that. It seems like it'd be more than that. Yeah. But I mean, even that is good. They, we didn't have to, you know, we didn't use forcible taxpayer money to make Uber exist or anything. It's that's all, what I, it's voluntary. That's so. what I was going to say. More than any law has ever done, probably. Yeah. You're not, you know, creating some type of government <clears throat> law that, you know, uses force, like Nate said, to take our police, which should be protecting us to have to you know, patrol the the roads and things like that more or whatever, whatever you believe. We've, we've talked about DUIs and stuff, but that's a whole it, other uh, show. All, all government laws do is teach you how to hide things better. Yeah. That, that's about it. <laughs> yep. And so to me, Uber is one of my favorite. There's all kinds you could let's, uh, let's contrast the FedEx UPS versus, uh, the United States postal yeah. service. You guys well, ever- let's throw back to 1990, 1995. You can track a package online with ups and you still can't with usps well you can but it might update like every seven stops it's like oh it showed up in new jersey for a minute yeah i mean that's always been a really good example because i think um i might i might uh, google this real quick just to be sure but the post uh, the postal service is losing upwards of five or six billion a year i think is their deficit um and then you get FedEx uh, that's making billions per year. And is that possibly because the person running the post office isn't ever going to make any more money than what their salary is? There's no stock options. There's no. Uh, there's not any stock buyback programs for the post. The uh, post office. What you got? What you got there? Five point six billion. I got your there back, you go. Nate. All right. I thought it was. The, I, I thought it was something like that. Odd man out again yeah. for the fiscal year two thousand sixteen, October first through September thirtieth, two thousand sixteen. They had a five point six billion dollar loss, as compared to a five point one billion dollar net loss for the year ending in two thousand fifteen. So it just keeps going up. Now, in their defense, got to throw this in there real quick. They aren't allowed to set their own prices, which yeah. is kind of a an unfair disadvantage. But when they, I mean, when they do set their own prices, the the it's, deal is they just get more expensive all the time. You know, the cost of a stamp just kind of how many times keeps going has, up. has a forever stamp gone up? I don't, I'm not <laughs> sure. But they they don't learn from every successful business in history, uh, which is that you need to make things cheaper and you'll make more money. They just keep lower. They keep raising their prices all the time, and then. They make terrible amounts of money. They don't have enough locations. You have everyone knows that if you go wait in line at the post office, you need to ask for time off of work and probably to go to a clinic afterwards. I haven't been in and, one in years. Yeah, they're they're terrible. I avoid them like the plague. You don't have to. You don't have to anymore. I know. That's it's, why we want to talk about our next sponsor, which is Stamps.com. I believe. No, it's it's uh, FedEx. I forgot to tell you they sponsor this today. When? Um, well, I was going to pocket the cash. Oh. So, sorry. That's, that's why we're having this conversation today was so we can mention audit FedEx. the Nate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyway, who do you trust to send the package for you? If you've got a really important package, are you going to take it to USPS and um, just write a note on there that says, please? I'm probably going to go to whoever <laughs> I can spend the most money with, to be honest with you, because yeah. spending the money gives me a feeling of 
safety. Like, uh, they, they're going to take really good care of it. Yeah. Wrong. Right there, you got a great, uh, just a great establishment not making say, profit. Not saying it's logical, but <laughs> feels good. Something else down the line. I know we talked about Ford already, but that was a big deal. Um, obviously, profit incentive. Why would you ever, as Henry Ford, why would you ever care about investing all of that into making assembly lines and factories and doing all this if you were never going to make more money than what you already had or what you'd already put into it? There would be no point to ever do that. And that took the cost of a vehicle down to where someone in the 1% could only buy it to where everyone could afford the vehicle within a few years because they mass-produced them and made them cheaper. That was a really big deal, literally just created by profit incentive. We have another one, um, you know, a movie came out not too long ago called The Founder. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, got Michael Keaton in it. Uh, pretty good movie. I thought it was um, a great movie. Yeah. It was a sleeper. Unexpected. I liked it a lot. Um, always been a big fan of Michael Keaton, you know, ever since Batman, basically. Just been one of my favorite Anyone actors. Who can sleep upside down. It's cool <laughs> It's in impressive, right? Um, but anyway, you know, aside from the movie, what about McDonald's and the fact that, you know, we had restaurants all around the country, but they were more expensive and they took more time. And someone who just wanted to make money and the creative and an insanely huge business took it the concept that the brothers in california came up with and spread it around the entire country and wouldn't you say that that in a in a way has benefited everyone whether you you know whether you like it or not obviously mcdonald's we can say their food's terrible or or whatever but honestly there's like i've got the option i can go get some food for a buck there is protein in the mcdonald's hamburger it is enough to keep you alive if you ate it every single day and it's about the cheapest thing that you could get so i mean it's a it's good whether you like it or not it's good for a poor person that mcdonald's exists and not only that but they completely revolutionized a, a section of the actually they probably revolutionized the entire restaurant industry i mean the efficiencies that mcdonald's created was adopted restaurant wide and you and you look at what it sprung up things like burger king and taco bell and arby's and chick-fil-a and all of these places are made possible because of mcdonald's you can talk about ray Kroc and him kind of being uh, a jerk to the mcdonald's brothers right but this guy had a vision um that he knew that if he stuck with those guys, that it probably wouldn't come to fruition because this wasn't a guy who was aggressive, who saw this vision, who risked everything he had to make it possible. But if you just look at one of my favorite things about that movie that tells this story is at that time, basically the, the fast food quote unquote of the day were, you know, Sonic drive-ins basically. It was Sonic, but it took forever and everything came out on regular plates with silverware and regular glasses. They had this idea of like creating efficiency and how they specialized their workers to work on certain things. And not only that, they decided to use paper and plastic things that they could give away so they didn't have to worry about washing dishes or picking those types of things up. So they created all kinds of inefficiencies in the restaurant industry that hadn't seen change in years. And another great example of how capitalism and the profit motive has made things better. You could argue the, the negative things of it, and I, I, I may agree with you, on a lot of things as far as America getting fatter and things like that. But, 
I mean, seriously, you work two or three jobs or you own your own business and you're working a hundred hours a week. How great is it that you can actually swing through a drive through and get a burger, a fries and a Coke that may be the only meal you have all day. How great is it that the options available for you? And we talked about, you know, we talked about SpaceX. Was that a couple episodes ago or? Yeah, it's been a few episodes now. You know, that's yeah. Elon Musk is kind of the perfect example here. We had an industry that was literally controlled by the government and there really weren't any advances at all with NASA, like since the 80s. I mean, that was sort of the heyday. Yeah, I mean, of, when they switched over to the shuttle, um, it, it kind of, I mean, I'm sorry if you're from NASA and you happen to be listening to this podcast, it, it kind of stopped after that. That was, that was pretty much What he means is if you're it. from NASA, feel free to email and educate us if we're wrong. But, yeah, go ahead. Know, <laughs> well, I mean, NASA, some of the smartest people in the world work right. there, obviously. I mean, you know. I, I actually think they all took jobs at SpaceX. It, now? <laughs> yeah, all the good ones, the ones with the profit motive. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the ones who wanted to make more money but, probably left NASA. But the reason I brought that up was, you know, that industry it just kind of was stagnant and people just sort of accepted it like this is the way we launch a satellite. This is how expensive it is. And there was no real change the entire time. And all of a sudden we start having a for-profit option and they figure out, oh, we need to reuse some things. Wouldn't it be better if we found a way for the rockets to fly themselves back after they took the payload? I mean, NASA was taking things up into space for almost 70 years. And they never that was never an innovation or an invention that they had. And Elon Musk, as soon as they started, SpaceX was working on this idea of reusing the rockets. And you only want to reuse the rockets if you had to pay for them, not if you got to steal the money from someone else. And this isn't evil profit either. The The thing he's done is as his number of flights have gone up and they've refined the technology, the price just keeps coming down for people to be able to send things up. So that's also made that more accessible to other enterprises and other businesses. Well, that helps everyone because now it can be cheaper for communications businesses for all kinds of things. We all use our GPS all the time. We want to know about weather and all these things. And he's just making it easier for, you know, how many times have you looked at your cell phone today? Things like that. Everything that he's doing with SpaceX is going to make it cheaper for everyone, any business that involves having to use some kind of communications satellite. Look at some of the other things he's done, too. I mean, Tesla with electric cars, and then he's got solar roof. That's a pretty cool idea. Mm -hmm. And all of these things, why would anybody bother to go through the trouble to create them and get them off the drawing board and market them if there was no potential for profit? He's put in billions of his own money for these companies. And, you know, he started, uh, I think PayPal was his first majorly successful thing, right? I mean, he obviously did really well with PayPal. And he's been using that money. This is a good case of someone who made a lot of money off of something and now they're taking that and he is i believe trying to do good for the world but he's also going to make money at the end of the day when he does it and he's trying to make sure everything gets done as cheaply as possible i, I want elon musk to get really rich i do the more rich he gets the more cool stuff we get i hope tesla becomes the biggest car manufacturer in the entire world because i think the more money elon musk has the better it is for everyone He's already worth $40.5 which is pretty a, good. Not a bad number. It's no Jeff Bezos, you know. Yeah. But it's, it's like th four, four Trumps, five Trumps. Oh, yeah. While we're, <laughs> while we're on this, you know, man crush of Elon Musk here, uh, which I, I mean. He's dreamy. This guy is like the ultimate visionary of our time. I mean, this is, this is you could argue this is the, uh, younger Steve Jobs. It's the new Steve Jobs. Right. Yeah. This guy, 
and and think about when he sold PayPal, I think he had a hundred or hundred and fifty million dollars. Plenty of money to live the rest of a lavish, ridiculous lifestyle. You know, you put a hundred million in investments and you got fifty million to blow, <clears throat> and you're still making, you know, if you're invest if you invest a hundred million, you can make, you know, anywhere between five hundred thousand to two million dollars a month easily. So you you look at this guy who could have just yeah, hey, I, I made a great product. I sold it, $150 million. I could live the rest of my life. No, what did he, he decided to risk it all again and created Tesla and solar panels. And now the SpaceX, which is arguably, it's just before our eyes. If this is the only thing you take from this show, if this is the only thing that you, that you think about right before our eyes, SpaceX is defying everything we ever thought about space and completely putting NASA to shame. I mean, how that's just so great. (laughs) Yeah. Elon Musk gave you SpaceX and Tesla and the government gave you the U S postal service. (laughs) There you go. That's all we have to say. We could (laughs) have cut this whole episode 40 minutes short. (laughs) <laughs> On top of that, a couple other small things. You know, they're also Tesla is developing a an, an electric semi truck, also fully autonomous. Eventually, I mean, I know that that just sounds like something that's cool, but I think that something we need to mention here is that there is. I'll just use this room for an example. Look around, and you can do it too. Look around the room that you're in. There is not one single thing that did not touch a truck at some point in time. It didn't, not one thing that you're looking at was ever not on some kind of a semi truck. Every single one of them. So when you look at the, the idea that a, that you could have a fully autonomous electric, electronic, right, John? Electric semi truck. Got it right that time. <laughs> gotcha. Show prep. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the idea that fuel savings, once this becomes efficiently, you know, done enough that, that it's going to be cheaper than the, than the normal truck, the fuel savings alone can decrease the price of every single thing. Everything in our economy can become cheaper if Elon Musk succeeds with this electric semi-truck. That's a big deal. And then you got the boring company also. This is where he's taking this huge underground drill and uh, and drilling these huge holes for his Hyperloop program. I don't know if you guys have seen anything about this, but they've got this Hyperloop that they're building. And I know we got approval to start under Washington, D.C. I saw that article. Um, and then they've been building, I guess, under L.A. They're working on doing um, some kind of tunnel system there, too. The really cool thing with the Hyperloop as well was that he just open sourced the whole idea. He came up with the concept and then just put it out, said, any company that wants to build this, you can build it. It's royalty free. Just here's my idea. Make it cooler. And that's just yeah. this is another idea of this is a guy who who knows that if he comes up with the way to dig a tunnel from L.A. to New York that he'll be the richest person in all of humanity. And not not only will he be the richest person, but he'll probably help more people than ever because they said that you could live uh, hundreds of miles from New York with this thing and still work there if you wanted to every day and just plan on getting to work in 30 or 45 minutes with the way that they're doing this Hyperloop system, which is, is just crazy. But these are only things that you get. Listen, the government's been doing transportation now for hundreds of years, Nashville is still proposing that we build train systems that have been around since the 1800s. And then you get Elon Musk coming in and say, hey, what if I just invest billions upon billions of dollars into this new technology? Did you see what his speed goal was for the bore? No, I didn't. 
So apparently this would be, I can't remember if it was five or 10 times faster than what they have now, but his goal is to be able to move at the speed of a snail. <laughs> That's for the drill. That's, that yeah, the, yeah. He wants to be able to drill at the speed of a snail. And that's a huge revolution. So whatever time it takes a snail to crawl from the start point to New York City is how long it's going to take. That's, that's right. the goal. Yeah. That's pretty sweet. <laughs> that is pretty cool. I have to mention one more thing about Elon Musk before we wrap this thing up. And that's because he came out yesterday at the South by Southwest conference in Austin, Texas. And he mentioned that we will have our first travel to Mars by next year he also mentioned he wasn't going to sign up for the first flight he kind of described it like event horizon or something terrible like who would want to do this but i know someone will oh yeah there will be people to sign up for it for sure but that's exciting that's that's another thing like i mean maybe that's going to save the entire human race someday just because he's trying to trying to do this i mean he he literally will go down as a steve jobs type figure he even brought what you just set up because he he mentioned he said this is like an escape hatch for rich people no no it's not he said the idea is to to bring the cost down by doing it so much that it's accessible for everyone and it's just another resource for everyone yeah who knows what else they'll develop while they're doing all of this that's going to make tons of other things cheaper that we're not even thinking about right now. There's so many things that we don't imagine on a daily basis that people like this come up with all the time because they have the money to do it. That it's just exciting to me. And and this is a guy that doesn't, he doesn't have the word can't in his vocabulary. Mm -mm. This, you could, this, whatever he comes up with, it's not like, Oh, that can't be done or this can't be done. He's like, yeah, we can do it. We'll figure out a way to get there. And not only are we going to get there, but we're going to do it as efficiently and as cheap as possible so it can help the most amount of people. But guys, the moral of the story is here it, is that profit doesn't always have to be a bad thing. When you're in a free market system where you have the choice to pay someone, when there's no government intervention forcing you to pay someone to do something, when there's a real free market Profit is a good thing. Why is it? Because when you're creating a business, the incentive for profit causes you to make things more efficient. It helps you innovate things. It makes you want to in invent things that might otherwise have never been invented. And while you might think that profit is some kind of added cost onto the good that you're buying, what you want to think about is what if this business owner didn't have profit as an incentive? How much more inefficient would it have been? Maybe this it might have cost three, four, five times as much. Cars in the Soviet Union, where there was no profit allowed, cost three times more than cars here, and they weren't even allowed to turn a profit because they cared nothing about how long it took to make it. There was no incentive whatsoever. And so just think about both sides of the story all the time. And I'm, I'm actually going to correct you there. Profit is always a good thing. You said uh, hold most on. of the time. I got your thing. back. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Do you have, I, I, most, most of the time you said, yeah, you said most of the time, a good thing. And so what I'm trying to, what I want to convey, if you, uh, if you want to join my side, Charlie at the big freedom show.com, I meant that when it's not forced by the government, that's, that's what I was saying. Uh, good clarification. That's what I meant. This, this whole thing is profit is a good thing. And we just explained to you why. There you go. So let All us right. know what you guys think about this. Were we confusing? You know, that that's a good good thing for us to know. Hit us up at info at the big freedom show dot com. 
like, comment, share the show, please. We'll see you next week.